Good morning, everyone. And hey, I just want to say a huge thank you to this team here, actually. Like, they are such a blessing. Yeah. These guys, you have no idea, and it's not just because I lead the team, but they are such a blessing. Like, most of them are rostered on every single Sunday. And the hearts they serve with is incredible. And it's not because they want to be glorified and have the stage, but you can see the anointing on them. You can see their servant hearts on them. So I just want to honor them today. Yeah. Let's get them. And I just had to laugh at the bill, Jonathan. Oh, amazing. It was, it was so good. He was committed 100%. So good. I just love what's happening in church right now. Like, we just had our 40-day fast. It's been pretty incredible. Who actually enjoyed it? It's hard, but wow, the revival nights, the fasting, the prayer, prayerful our people, our unsaved loved ones. It's been an incredible time. And, you know, it's not because of anything about us or that we're amazing, but God is doing something. He's moving in this place. Amen? He's moving in this place. It's so incredible. And you know, with I was just actually sharing this with them in the, in the prayer room before the service. As you head up, as you get closer to God, there comes opposition. And we know this because it is in God's word. And we can see it. So today, I want to share a word, and it's on 1 Peter 5.8. And today, we're calling this Be On Watch Out. Okay, so we're talking about spiritual opposition. Okay, so I think maybe most of us have probably heard the scripture, 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's a pretty incredible scripture. There's just so much in here. This one little verse, we're going to look at this, but we're going to look at the wider passage as well, but mostly focusing in on this just one verse. So this was Paul. He was writing, uh, Peter, sorry, Peter was writing to the scattered Christians across Asia Minor. Now, he was talking to the elders, but he was also talking to the wider church. So when I was reading this, I was like, I always thought about this. Why did Peter use a lion to describe it? You know, today we just sung, Hail, Lion of Judah. So why is it that Peter uses this lion when really the Jewish people, the Israelites, they know a lion to be the Lion of Judah? That's really what they understood because... He rose after three days mightily like a roaring lion, right? He is the lion of Judah. He comes from the tribe of Judah, Jesus. But, you know, I was thinking about this. So why did he use this lion to warn us? And, you know, just like with Peter and India at the moment, and I was thinking of the story I was told we went over there on holiday and... I was told this story about a village 
and it wasn't anywhere around where we were staying, thank goodness. <laughs> it was a small village, and they were telling me that um, some of the villagers were going missing, and, you know, they were trying to work out what had happened. And actually, they discovered that there was a lion stalking their village and picking off the vulnerable. So small children, elderly, people that were left out on their own, people that went out at night, and this lion, it was picking them off. And so we see that lions, they actually, they prey on the vulnerable. They prey on the weak, even though they are the king of the jungle, right? But they actually prey on the vulnerable. You see that when they're out hunting, they go for the weakest. So what we're going to look at is, what does the Bible say? What does God's word say about this? Identity, what is his identity? What is the strategy of the enemy? There's so much that we actually, we don't know about the spiritual world. We just, we can't know that until we're in eternity, right? We just don't know everything about the spiritual world. But what we do know is God's word. We have God's word so let's look into that. Let's see what it says. So in Job 1, 7, And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. So from this verse we see that he's on the lookout. He's moving around. He's looking around. But also we see that he's not omnipresent. So he's moving around. He can't be everywhere in one go. He's not omnipresent. Ephesians 6, 10, 12. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness against spiritual hosts of wickedness. So we're not fighting against humans here on earth. We're fighting against principalities and evil powers. Okay, in that same passage, verse 13, we must put on the armor of God to withstand in the evil day. So if we don't have the armor, we won't be standing. Verse 16, he sends flaming darts. John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Second Corinthians 4, 4, he blinds us. He blinds believers. Luke twenty two thirty two. he sifts. We're going to look at that a little bit later. He sifts us. Revelation 12, 10, he's the accuser of the brethren. Who's the brethren? That is believers, saved believers. John 12, 31 to 33, it talks about Satan being the ruler of this age or the ruler of this world. <clears throat> so why is this lion on the prowl? What exactly is he trying to do? Why is he trying to devour? Like the verse says, he's trying to devour us as Christians. Okay, so we, as we know, we are the object of God's love and affection. He does not want that. Amen? He does not want that. He does not want our worship turned to God. He wants to bring us down, right? 
He wants to distract us. He wants to do everything he can so that we are not turned towards God and worshipping and serving him. 1 Peter 5, 9, it says, Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So Peter was telling them that resist him steadfast in the faith because your brethren, fellow Christians, are suffering in the world. So the enemy, we see he's caused the suffering and he used that suffering to get to us through our minds to shake our faith. And if, we're, if we don't have a strong faith, the opposite of that is fear-filled. If we're fear-filled, we are not going to be taking ground for Christ. Okay, so now we're going to look at can the enemy, so we've seen he attacks our minds, okay? He's a liar. He's an accuser of the brethren. He attacks our minds. Can he cause physical affliction? Okay, so Job 2.7, it says, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils. And it goes on, if you know Job, the story, he afflicts him many, many times. Everything except death. So we clearly see in Job, yes, he, is, he can cause affliction. Now, that's the Old Testament, okay, but what does the New Testament say about this? So there's a story about a woman who is bent over, and it's in Luke 13, 16. It says, So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. Now this woman, she was healed by Jesus. She had been bound for 18 years, and by Satan she was bound and she was healed, immediately glorified God. Okay, and the other one we says, which a lot of us would know, is Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Okay, but what does this mean, this thorn in the flesh? We don't know exactly what it was, um, but 2 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. So he says there was a messenger sent by Satan, a thorn in his flesh. But what does this mean? I don't think we can ever know exactly what it was that was buffeting him, but he has clearly said that it's a messenger of Satan. And I was looking into what, what does this word mean? Because obviously the Peter wrote it in Greek, right? So what does this word mean? Is it just something random he's talking about? So I looked into the word flesh. So a thorn in the flesh. I looked into that word in flesh. It's saki in Greek. And saki is literally physical flesh. So he was talking about something that was afflicting him in the flesh, Okay. So, as I said, we don't know what that was, but we know he was being afflicted by a messenger of Satan in the flesh. And we also see that it says, lest I be exalted above measure. Now, Satan would want him to be exalted above measure because if he's puffed up in pride, that's going to be his downfall. God 
didn't want him to be exalted above measure. So we also see that there was something at work where God was allowing him to be buffeted, to be sanctified, because God did not want him to exalt himself too high. And so you see, Satan attacks our mind, he can attack us in many ways, and he uses this to make us question our faith, okay? And especially if it's a physical affliction, I'm not saying every single physical ailment is from Satan, no. We can have that just simply living in the world, okay? That's just part of living in the world. Sometimes we see in the word, yes, we can get physically afflicted. And so you've heard the story, a lot of us have heard the story about Peter, Pastor Peter's leg, okay? He's told his testimony before. And for those of you that haven't heard it, he actually, he went to um, a place where they worship a blood-sucking spirit, basically. And he kicked a stone, which was the altar. And then after he had done that, it was literally within that week, he got a huge DVT, like a massive ulcer. Okay, so that makes, I'm not saying that he was, Christians cannot be cursed, okay? But that brings us to, can a believer have an evil spirit or can they be possessed? So there are examples of believers that have been physically afflicted in the New Testament, right? But there are no examples of a believer being possessed. You know, we can't have an evil spirit. We can't have a curse on us if we are truly a saved believer because the Holy Spirit, we are the carriers of the Holy Spirit. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. A demon and the Holy Spirit, they cannot coexist within you. So when we're praying for someone, okay, if they've been physically afflicted, they're sick, if they're under spiritual attack, we're not praying for them to be delivered of this. We're not saying come out. They're being oppressed by the enemy, not possessed, okay? Okay, so let's look at the rest of this scripture. So Peter says to us, be sober be vigilant. So let's, we're going to look at these two words. What exactly is he asking us to do? So be sober. So this is the, actually the third warning in First Peter. The first one, First Peter 1.13, be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. First Peter 4.7, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And then the third one is our one we're looking at, be sober, be vigilant. So I don't know about you, but the first thing I think of is sober. Don't be intoxicated. Okay, clearly it's not talking about being drunk, all right? So that makes me ask, what exactly are we to not be intoxicated with? So I was thinking about it, okay, what, what is it that we need to be sober? What is it that we need to be not intoxicated? The world can 
intoxicate us if we let it. Okay, so do not fall in love with the world around you. The current culture that we are in right now, it bombards us. It's hard to escape, but we can't allow it to bring us down to its level. We rise above in faith. Amen? Movies, social media, be careful what you're allowing in. What you watch, it can affect you. You think it's just a harmless thing that you're watching. Be careful what you're seeing. Be careful what you're watching. And the other one I was thinking that can really influence us in a big way is the company we keep. Who are you spending most of your time with? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Is it mostly godly people? Or is it mostly non-Christians who might be a little bit toxic to us? And you're, once again, coming down to that level because you're spending more time with bad company than godly company. Okay, so we don't want to be under the influence, all right? We want to be clear-minded. We don't want to be clouded. If we have a clouded mind, we have clouded judgment, which clouds our faith. So the opposite of clouded is focus. We need to be focused. But what exactly are we focusing on? Obviously, we focus on God. We focus. Don't look down and around you what's happening right now. My career, my job, money, house. We need to be focused on eternity. What is your priority? I really want us all to ask ourselves that. What is your priority? Where is your focus? Are you looking down? Are you looking to the side? What have I got? How am I going to get there? How am I going to climb the ladder? No, our focus must be on eternity. That's where we build our treasures, not here on earth. Amen? Okay, and the second word, right, vigilant. Okay, so what does it mean to be vigilant? Well, I was thinking about this, and, you know, I was thinking, how often is it that we, we have a negative thought, we have anxiety, it hits us, and we just sit there in it. And we don't realize that actually the enemy is trying to weaken us through that thought. You know, I, there was this girl who, was, who had just ministered in her church, I was talking to her last week, and she said to me, you know, I really, I just, I don't think I was good enough for it. I just, the whole time, I did not think I was good enough to minister at my church. And I said to her, well, didn't you realize that that was a lie before you actually got up there? And she said, yeah. And I said, so why didn't you take that thought captive before it was fully blown, Right. We must resist the devil at his onset. Okay, so just like it says in 1 Peter 5, 9, resist him steadfast in the faith. Immediately, we must take those thoughts captive. Don't let it sit. 
And that's, you know, that's how strongholds are allowed to grow, right? If we're not vigilant, a stronghold can take hold of us. I hear a lot of people, they say, I just, I've tried everything. I've really tried everything and I just can't seem to move forward. I can't get past this fear. I can't seem to make a way forward. And I've prayed, I've done everything, but I can't move forward. Well, maybe there's a stronghold on your life. You know, I remember when I was a little kid, and some of you probably remember this, and you get scared at night, you might see a shadow or you might see something move and you're hiding under your blankets, and I just remember saying, resist the devil and he will flee, resist the devil and he will flee. Yet the whole time, I'm like shaking in fear. What a lot of us don't realize is that before that scripture, it says, resist the devil and he will flee. Yes, amen, he will flee. But before that, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. As a little kid, I just didn't know, but we must submit to God first. That thought hits us, get out. On its onset, immediately, get out. Don't let it grow. Resist the devil at his onset. Amen? So these strongholds, we sit, okay, that's the thought, comes into our mind. Okay, I'm letting it sit. We don't take action. Then we dwell. That's when we think on it. We're not taking the thought captive. Then it becomes a full-blown lie. And this full-blown lie is something where we actually convince ourselves that, no, it's just us. It's just how I was made. It's how I was born. It's just me. I've always been fearful. It's just like my personality. It creates... A stronghold, and the stronghold is where the enemy, he's entrenched in it. He's been working long and hard on you because he knows that's your weakness. He knows you're going to cave, and he's been working long and hard to create this stronghold. It needs to be broken. We need to have freedom to fully do what God has called us to do. Amen? It needs to be broken. So instead of sitting, the lie comes, instead of sitting, On that lie, we repent, don't believe it. Instead of dwelling on it, thinking, 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 we pray, we fast. Instead of allowing it to become fully blown lie that we really believe, we cover it in God's word. We must have a new mind, which is renewing of the mind. So we cover the lie in God's word, respond to the lie. If it's fear, God did not give me a spirit of fear. Respond to it. God's word is alive and active. It's powerful. Use his word against the lie. The minute it comes, at its onset, respond immediately. Now, what We're talking about vigilance here, okay? Now, what I want to say is what vigilance isn't. Vigilance is not demon hunting, okay? Now, 
we don't want to be looking for demons or demonic activity behind every little thing. Okay, Easter, our screen didn't work on the day that we need it to work. Was it the enemy? No. And we're not going to put it down. Oh, the tech problems. Oh, the enemies at work. Well, okay, maybe. But we don't want to be demon hunters, okay? Because if we're looking for every little thing, maybe we've got a flat tire on the way to church. Oh, the enemy doesn't want me to go to church. Or we've got a headache. Oh, I've got a headache. the enemy's causing this headache. No, if we become demon hunters, if we're looking for the enemy in every little corner, everything is caused by demons, it's actually a distraction. We don't want to be focused on evil. We want to be focused on that. No, God is greater than he that lives in me is greater than he that is in the world. We're not going to focus on what the enemy can do. We need to be aware and vigilant. Don't be a demon hunter, okay? You know, even while preparing and studying this week, as I was preparing this message, you know, this week has been, I was telling them before, this week has been one of the hardest weeks of my life because my boys were so sick. Like, I've never, they've never been this sick before. And it was just, for a whole range of reasons, it was so incredibly hard. They had some horrible, horrible, terrible <laughs> flu, virus, I don't know what. We won't say where it came from. And we, <laughs> Brock had a burst eardrum on top of that, and Leo had strep throat on top of that. So this week, like, it's just been incredibly hard. And, you know, one night, I think it was just last week, I'd done all my prep, and I was really praying. I was really reading my word, and I was so fired up. And I was tucking my boys into bed, you know, the crying, miserable, sneezing, coughing, hot with fevers, tuck them in bed, these poor boys. And I finally turn off the light, collapse in bed, completely exhausted. And it hit me so hard. What if I'm causing this? I'm on the hunt or I'm looking at the scriptures about the enemy, his tactic, his strategy. What if he's coming up against me and he's causing the sickness? And then immediately I was like, oh, no, that's a lie. That is such a lie. I am not going to fall for that lie. I instantly, I was like, no, you are not going to pull me down. I know what God's called me to do. I'm not going to allow him to tell me, no, what you're doing is causing your children's sickness, and you know a way to a mother's heart is to get to her children. I'm not going to allow you to pull me down. It's a lie. So I took hold of it. I said, no way. Get out. I did not believe that lie, and I carried on. <laughs> so we see that we must submit and resist at the onset, okay? We see that like a lion who goes for weakness, goes for vulnerabilities, he aims at us, but sometimes now the enemy, he has a whole nother tactic, which is to try and aim for our strengths, okay? So what we're going to look at is the story. Now, um, there's a picture on the screen that I want you to have a look at. 
This is Sardis, okay? Now, some of you might remember what this is. If you've read Revelation, this is one of the seven churches, okay? Sardis. Now, I'm going to read through this passage. I think you can follow along with me there. <clears throat> so, Revelation 3, 1, 6. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. <clears throat> Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Now, this church, this is one of the seven churches in Revelation, okay? And this church had a reputation, okay? This reputation was of wealth, was of being alive. It had a reputation of being alive. But its reputation of being alive was because they were busy. They always had something going very active in their church, something happening all the time. So they had a reputation of being alive, but it was all just works okay that's why they said you are dead and the interesting it just as a side note interesting thing is in the 60s they excavated the site okay so you can see it's quite a high cliff it's right up on the cliff tops so they excavated it and they found a temple to the goddess Sibylle now this goddess was believed to raise dead things back to life which I found really interesting that they were actually had a reputation to be alive, but they were worshipping this goddess right there in the city. Okay, so this, so Sardis, this city, it had a reputation. Wealth, it also had a reputation that nobody could conquer it, okay? So you can see by the picture, it's up really high. It's actually right there on the cliff. So nobody could conquer this place, and they knew it. They were confident in that nobody can conquer us, Right? One night, there was the enemy. They were hidden down the bottom, and they were just observing, watching. And they saw one of the soldiers sitting up at the top in Sardis, and he dropped his helmet. And he watched him. He scaled down a little hidden path down the vertical drop. And the enemy was watching this. And then he bought the army, and that's how they conquered the city. They went straight up that little path and conquered the city. You know, Sardis, they were so confident in their strength that they actually left that strong side completely unguarded and the enemy captured them. You know, I can't help but think the scripture that we're looking at in First Peter and talking about strengths and how our pride, it can be our greatest downfall. I can't help but think, was Peter remembering a time when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus? Be sober, be vigilant, be watchful, pray with me. You know, what Peter thought was his strength ended up being his downfall. And I want us to look at the um, contrast of their preparation 
as Jesus headed to Garden of Gethsemane to pray, before they headed there, this is what he said to Peter, and it says Simon, which is Simon Peter, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Jesus warns him, Peter, sorry, Satan is after you. And Peter, he basically says, bring it on. He couldn't possibly imagine that he was going to deny Christ. He was like, yeah, of course, there's no way. I'm not going to deny Christ. Later on, they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He, not had, he didn't have to be woken just once. He had to be woken three times. As Jesus said to him, be watchful, pray with me. He had to be woken three times. He didn't deny Christ just once. He denied him three times. His strength, what he thought, no way I would not do that, Jesus. I'm, won't, I'm not ever going to deny you. The enemy got in. You know, this sober-mindedness, this vigilance, it must prepare us for battle because being sober and being vigilant makes us aware of the spiritual realm, aware of the battle that is going on, and it must make us battle-ready. Don't allow what you assume is a strength or something that you see as being strong. I've got it sorted. I don't have any issues in that area at all. That's when the enemy will try to find a way in. We need to be guarded on all sides, strengths and weaknesses. Just like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane called Peter, pray and watch. Be sober, be vigilant be battle ready. And we see there is a strategy. The enemy has a strategy against us, but God is more powerful. He has a more powerful strategy. Ephesians 6.18, praying at all times in the spirit, being watchful. And then it goes on to tell us the strategy. So praying and the armor of God, belt of truth, breastplate, plate of righteousness, shod your feet with gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. Prayer combined with putting these on and not just putting them on, using them, putting them into practice, using them in faith. He's given us all we need. It's right there. He's given us everything we need to come up against the enemy's attacks. I want to encourage us, don't grow weary in prayer. You know, we've been praying for these people for every Sunday, not just on Sunday, but throughout the week for quite a long time. Don't grow weary in praying for them. Maybe some of you feel like you're starting to lose a little bit of hope for your loved ones. What if they never come to Jesus? Don't give up hope. Don't grow weary. Stay awake in the spirit Keep declaring that they will be God's. Amen? 
So he has given us everything we need. We need to use it, okay? The enemy will try, okay? He will try to come against you, but we don't need to allow him to succeed, and he doesn't have to succeed. You know, recently a lot of you heard that I was in hospital, okay, and it was, it started on a Sunday, and I was in church, and I tried to sing, I was just standing there, (laughs) tried to sing, and nothing, I just couldn't get anything out, and it was like, something hit me, and it was across this way, and it was like a sharp stab across my throat, And I was talking before I came in, stood here, and this thing, it just kept, every time I tried to sing, it was a sharp, stabbing pain. I said to Peter, I was texting him, you got to take me to the hospital. I don't know what this is. This is so bad. Like, if the thing is, if I didn't talk, if I didn't sing, it was fine. I was okay. But the minute I spoke to anyone or sung, it was like a searing pain across my throat, So I went to the hospital, and they did all the tests. They did a CT scan, they did x-ray, and they put a camera down my throat to check out. They said to me, you are actually in 100% health. There is not even a spot of redness in your throat. There's nothing. And initially, they were like, no, 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 you've got a chicken bone in your throat. It's just, it's very common. We get people in here all the time with a chicken bone or a fish bone in your throat. And... I couldn't talk, so Peter said, "Uh, no, that's not possible because she's vegetarian. She doesn't even eat it, so that's not even a possibility. So they completely ripped that off. They came up to me. They admitted me in hospital because they were so, like, we don't know. They literally said that I I just don't know. I had nine doctors standing around my bed, and I was was asking them, writing, what is this? What can it possibly be? Do you have any idea, even just so I can... You know, like, I need to know something so I can treat it. They said, we have no idea. We don't know. Every test is clear. Every test is fine. You are 100% health. And I wrote, but I can't talk. And they said, we're just going to send you home with pain relief. That's all we can do. There's no answer. I was like, okay. And, you know, Good Friday was an incredible, incredible prayer for everyone that came. Wow. And not only the night was amazing, but your prayer for me to see you move in the authority of God and pray for me, wow, that just blew me away. I was so blessed by your belief, by your faith to pray for me. I walked to the back, and after that prayer, that was the first time I could sing. And I actually sung. I was like, yes, I love to sing. I don't want to be stopped. I don't want to be blocked. And I could sing freely. And now I'm not saying this was an attack. I don't know. We don't know what's going on in the spiritual. I'm not saying it's a spiritual attack. But I do know that the enemy was trying to get to me through it, whatever it was, whatever sickness, mystery, invisible sickness this was, he was trying to get to me through my mind because Peter was leaving. I knew that I'm going to be on board (laughs) even more so. And he was trying to bring me down he did not want me to like, yep, I can do this. No, he wanted, no, you're going to be brought down a notch or two. And if you take my voice, I'm helpless, right? What am I going to do? Stand here. Like, 
what am I going to do? I can pray, yes. But I knew something was going on. And once again, I'm not saying the sickness was of the enemy, but he was definitely trying to lie to me to get me to be fearful. It would have been so easy to give in because it was awful. It was horrible to not have a voice. It was awful. But once again, I kept going. I took hold of that lie, captured the thought, get out. And I kept going. That Good Friday, Peter really wanted me to lead communion. I said, I can't talk. I literally texted him, I can't talk. It hurts so bad. And he came up to me just before I was meant to leave. He said, are you going to do it? We're like, I didn't even know if I could really talk. I wasn't even praying in our prayer groups. I couldn't pray with these guys. I couldn't even pray. And I got up and I led that communion, even though it was like half a voice or whatever. But I led it because I didn't want him. And you might say, well, that's not wisdom. Maybe you should have just given your voice a rest. No, but I knew something was happening that he was trying to get to me in my thought life, in my mind. So I knew I had to do it to give God the glory. Not anything about me, but to give him the glory that he is greater. He is greater. I'm not going to allow the enemy to get to me and shrink and pull back and be like, nope, I don't have a voice. I can just sit at the back and just rest for a little bit. No, I'm not going to allow him to get to me. Amen. Worship team, please. Thank you. We can be victorious. God has already won the victory. Amen. Amen. He has already won it. It's done. He's already won it. It is finished. He's won the victory. We need to align ourselves with that because we know that it's through Jesus that we have that victory. So let's look at this entire passage just on closing. First Peter, the entire um, passage from First Peter 5, and it's verse 6 to 11. Okay, so let's just go through this. So therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. So he's, Peter's saying, humble yourselves. Jesus already has the victory, but we can't do it in our own strength and through striving and throughout pride that we think we are amazing humble yourselves under his mighty hand do what God tells you listen ask him do what God has asked you to do that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him for he cares for you be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour resist him steadfast in the faith we resist through faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world Many Christians are suffering and we know there will be suffering. Jesus told us that we will have trials, we will have temptations, we will have persecution. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect He will establish you. He will strengthen you. He will settle you. 
will keep you in His mighty hand. You cannot be stolen out of His mighty hand. If you are humbled beneath His mighty hand, if you are a saved believer, you cannot be stolen out of His hand. So we know He will try, but we have nothing to fear. As a believer, we have nothing to fear. Jesus has the victory. Humble yourselves. Never stop praying. Put on the armor of God. Know that He will fire those fiery darts towards us in our weakness, in our strength. But if we hold up that faith, that shield of faith, it's not going to harm us. We must learn, and this is something you can learn to do. As I said, at the onset of the attack, of the lie, of the temptation, take it captive immediately. Don't allow it to grow in your heart, in your mind. Take it captive immediately. He's given us the power. He's given us the authority. Don't allow him to get a foothold. You know what? The enemy, he is scared. I really believe he's scared of what you and we are going to become. Because if you're growing, and as I said, it's a blessing to see these guys, to see you guys growing in your faith, getting closer to God. It's such a blessing as a pastor to see that. But the enemy will come up with that opposition, but you don't allow it. Don't have any of it. You are saved. You have the victory. You have the authority. Take hold of that. Walk in it every day. Learn to grow in it. How to recognize when a lie is starting to form. Learn how to recognize it's a lie. It's not you. It's not you just how you were born, how you're made up. Recognize that the enemy wants to bring you down. As you go up, as you go closer to God, he's going to try and pull you down. Recognize the lie. Take hold of the lie. Resist the devil. Submit to God first. Submit your whole lives to him. Resist the devil and he will flee. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. We're going to sing in a minute. We're going to sing firm foundation, but let's join together. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We, we thank you that we are held in your mighty hand that we are safe in your mighty hand. We know this enemy that he will try. He's gonna try and come against us. We can go through all sorts of trials, temptations, sufferings, but we will not allow him to get a foothold in our life to speak into our minds. Lord, we pray you guard our minds. Help us to be so aware of what is going on that we take hold of that and we submit fully into your hands, Lord God. We thank you. We thank you for what you're doing in this place, in this church, Lord God. We see you're moving. 
You're doing a new thing. You're growing strong faith within us. Help that faith to continue to rise up, that we grow closer, that we grow more like you every single day. We learn how to recognize when the enemy is coming against us. We thank you, Lord. You have overcome. You have the victory. We declare that over this place. We declare it over this church. We declare it over each and every single person. I declare it over myself. He has the victory. We will not let him get in. And we all say amen. Amen.